to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast by established church leaders for established church leaders. My name is Micah Fries. I'm here with my buddy, Sam Rayner. Josh King is not here today. He is an established church leader stuck in a meeting this morning with other members of his established church. <laughs> and so we're going to have some fun today. We're going to hit a, kind of a, just a lighthearted topic, but a good one that I think is probably helpful. It's been a really, really heavy season right now. And so we wanted to kind of think through just something to encourage you a little bit. But before we do that, Sam, let's talk to him about some folks that have become friends of ours that we really respect and have become really big partners uh, with our show. Church Initiative is a wonderful organization. Uh, for our listeners who've been with us, they know they're the creators of Grief Share and Divorce Care. But just just in case there's some people out there that don't know, Church Initiative is uh, just help. They are helping a ton of of churches with these two programs. That's Grief Share and Divorce Care. They've made it simple and easy for churches to be able to offer grief ministry, uh, divorce recovery ministry. You just need one volunteer. So you get one lay leader and you connect them to the church initiative team and they take it from there. So you as the leader are freed up to do other ministry while the Divorce Care and Grief Share ministry coaches help your volunteer get the ministry up and running. It's a great program. It's a great system. Their coaches offer uh, a ministry launch plan that's customized for your church, step-by-step -step support. Um, you know, the coaches are always available to answer any questions. They're there for encouragement. And this is important. The coaching that they offer is always free. That's how Church Initiative is different. Most of the time you buy a course, you're on your own, but not with Church Initiative. They offer unparalleled ministry support they love pastors. Pastors love them. Um, and it makes it possible for pastors to expand their care with these ministries uh, by not adding any more commitments to their calendars. So this is a great program. Go check it out. They've got a quick start guide, which is a great overview to the ministry. You can download it at divorcecare.org slash start slash EST. Or if you want grief share, griefshare.org slash start slash EST. Go take a look at them. I think you'll like what Church Initiative is offering. It's fantastic. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's one of my favorite words. It's one of <laughs> they my favorite really words. Are. They really are. Yeah. They're great people. They're, I, uh, Sam, Sam, they're rad. They're <laughs> tubular, <laughs> dude. They're yes. tubular. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, let's speaking of laughing, we want to talk today about humor and ministry, how to effectively use it. Should you use it? I mean, I know people who say that you shouldn't use humor from the pulpit, right? No. Uh, yeah. Stunning. I know a number of people Those who, argue, who make that argument. That's exactly right. Speaking of, speaking of funny, church curmudgeons, probably one of the best uh, Twitter presences. Very, Facebook very presences funny. Facebook out there. Yeah, that's right. I'm a big fan. I just imagine uh, church curmudgeon saying something like that, you know. Exactly. No humor. I, yeah. And and I think all of us know somebody in our church at some point who probably is sort of, you know, the whole baptized in pickle juice sort of thing, just sour and kind of <laughs> I have never heard cranky. that before. Are you kidding me? I've Man, I use that regularly. That. I'm like, I, all right. I'm, I'm going to start saying that 
anytime someone gets a little off kilter, I'm just going to be like, were you baptized in pickle juice? Yes. <laughs> Is that why there's so many wrinkles around your frown? <laughs> All right. So, but, but here's the thing. Like when we talk about humor and ministry, we laugh a lot on the podcast, but I mean, we're talking about everything from staff meetings to being in the pulpit to one-on-one engagement to very tense, difficult meetings, right? Like, I mean, humor... First of all, humor, I think, is just a, a good and glorious common grace that God gives us, and it and it makes life better. I was sitting in my room last night, and I was working on my sermon for Sunday because we recorded on Thursday, so I had to finish it up last night. Uh, we record our podcast on Thursdays, too. And as I was sitting in my room, I heard my kids and my wife just like belly laughing in the in the kitchen. And uh, it was so encouraging to me. I thought, man, this is exactly what I would love to hear from my kids. But sometimes when it comes to church life, I think sometimes we think, oh, this is such a serious topic that it's that it's that it's not appropriate to use humor. But I'll tell you a story that sort of illustrates how this shifted a little bit in my mind. I was a pastor. It was the second church I pastored in Missouri. It was a little bit of a larger church. And I I was, for the first time, I was managing staff meetings and I was trying to uh, manage them well. And I was frustrated because I felt like we weren't accomplishing what I thought we needed to accomplish in staff meetings. And so I contacted one of my mentors, a guy named John Marshall, who was the longtime pastor of Second Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. It's a mega church. You know, he's, he'd been, uh, he's actually interested enough, Sam, you'll enjoy this. He is the youngest doctoral grad uh, from any of the six Southern Baptist seminaries in the history of all six sem- uh, seminaries. Wow, that's an yeah. accomplishment. He graduated here. Here, Listen to this. Now, he's retired now. He graduated with a D-min at 24 years old. Wow. From New Orleans Seminary. Yeah, it's really interesting, which normally, you know, the D-min, you've got to be in full-time ministry for X number of years after your master's before you can even begin the program. So anyway, so I, at the time, I mean, he was probably early 60s and had been serving there for 20 years. And I called him and I said, Dr. Marshall, he was, he's a mentor to me. He's been a wonderful man in my life. I said, Dr. Marshall, I'm really frustrated with my staff meetings. I feel like we're not accomplishing anything. He's okay. 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 Micah, that's good. He said, so do you laugh a lot in your staff meetings? And I said, yeah, that's exactly the problem. He's like, yeah, if you're laughing a lot, I kind of figure that's what an effective staff meeting looks like. And it kind of burst my bubble at the moment. I was like, no, that I want, give me a structure, give me an order. And his argument, I realized later what his argument was, is look, if you're laughing a lot, you're building a family with the staff and staffs that can laugh together and enjoy each other work well together. Productivity increases. When I finally realized that, when it finally got through my dense head, I realized, okay, relax a little bit. And, And I mean, I was young and worried about doing a good job and, you know, all those things. Once I finally realized that, it was amazing how much more quickly we sort of came around towards building a culture of family and partnership among the staff. I like pranks. I enjoy enjoy a good prank. One of my favorite uh, pranks is to – there's actually – Amazon has – there's some beautiful things on Amazon uh, that just are very difficult to find elsewhere. And, And one of them is soap that looks like poop. Oh, jeez. You can go look it up. That is a Sam Rayner gift. There are, it's it's bathroom humor. So, one of the things, and by the way, when you use the poop soap, it looks very fresh and real when you wash your hands with it. And even the texture kind of lends itself into, you know, what you can imagine. So, I... (laughs) One of the, I did, this is awful. I'm, I'm not even going to be able to get through this without laughing. Um, I uh, 
<laughs> Micah's pulling it up on my he's sharing his screen. And, and yeah, there's that one. But that one's the doggy poop. There's the human poop too. Um, oh so, my gosh. <laughs> that, if you go to Amazon, it's out there. <laughs> so, anyway, um, we, um, well, one time we put it in the copy room at a previous oh, church, the current church. And I just no. remember hearing the administrative assistant just screaming like, what dog was in here? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, but the, oh that gosh. was that was just the the fake poop. The soap poop is the best because you can put it in the bathroom, oh. and and, and you, you know <laughs> it's right there on the sink. And I had a team member that um, thought it was real and absolutely like took a picture, filed a report, you know, oh, no. <laughs> you know <laughs> called the custodian, said you need to come get this. What is going Sam. on? <laughs> So, men- mental note, Micah's never going to try and hire Sam on his staff. <laughs> Man, I love practical jokes. Absolutely love practical I jokes. I like practical jokes, but I am not a fan of toilet humor. Like, I don't like it at all. My kids love it. <laughs> it's my My favorite. kids love it. Oh, my gosh. My kids well, love it. Well, that's because you're an adult and I'm 12. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've never enjoyed it. But that's hilarious. Did your people like come around? Did, you, did oh, they yeah, realize yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. funny? So, so, here's the thing about a good practical joke. Here's a good thing about a prank. It, you can't, if it's destructive or hurtful. That's right. You know, yeah. th- then you've crossed the line. It'll destroy morale. It'll destroy morale. But if you can do yeah. it in a way, if you can do a prank in a way that gets somebody laughing, then yeah, you've, that's you've right. really, I mean, and, and it's, my dad says this, and I think it's true of me. If if I'm not joking with you or cutting on you, you know something's wrong. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, that's right. You know, that's kind of I, a love love language. That's what I was about to say. I I love to come at the people I love. Like they know if I'm if I'm messing with you, they know that's a sign. Stetzer was that way when I worked for him. I knew that if he was giving me a hard time, that was his. You know, if if I ignore somebody, that's probably problematic. I shouldn't give that away right now. But if I'm ignoring you, that's probably a, no, an I'm indication that things are not great. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If if we're not joking together, then then something's wrong. So yeah, I enjoy pranks. That's kind of my thing. Um, but I'm really the only one on staff that does them. So <laughs> I don't. I, you know, I keep their leader. Of, I keep kind of inviting people to prank me, but they just don't go there. So um, I've got a really good. one. I've got a, a worship pastor that I just. He's a long, long time friend, and uh, I don't know that he listens to the podcast. But he's. I asked his wife. You know, what are his biggest pet peeves? And there's one in particular that he's he's got a prank coming and I, I'm not going to review it. I am, I'll have to <laughs> Just tell in the case story. he's listening. I, I'll have to tell the story after I do it, but it is brilliant and his wife is to blame. So, when I first got to Brainerd, I hadn't been here more than a few weeks. I came in my office and somebody had photoshopped my face on a University of Tennessee fan at Neyland Stadium (laughs) in various poses all over the stadium at a game on game day and literally covered my entire office with pictures of me as a Tennessee fan. That is brilliant. Love it. There's some noise. If you hear noise in the background, they're doing a renovation at our church, and I thought they were done, but they're all of a sudden using the Sawzall under my office. So, hey, it's <laughs> that's it's the all background good. noise. It's all good. Um, we're, yeah, we're but they established, did. established church. We're what four established church leaders by established church leaders. That's Here exactly it is. right. 
This is it. There's a Sawzall cutting through metal you're, under my office right now. You're, you know, you're not you're not an established church leader until the Sawzall comes out in, in, in the church. <laughs> it's the truth. But I'll tell you, one of the things that was encouraging for me is when I walked in and I saw the Tennessee stuff, as much as I can't stand the University of Tennessee, go Gators. Um, when I saw all of it, I thought, oh, this is good. Like, this is a sign that they're trying to sort of be my friend. And, you know, they, they're trying to, trying to uh, kind of build rapport and relationship with me. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, and by the people, when people crack on you, it shows that you're part of. That's right. right. You're in the community. I mean, and I, I would say to pastors, when people play a practical joke on you or goof off, or if you're teenagers, toilet, you know, toilet paper your lawn or fork your lawn. I had that happen to me one time before. Nobody ever admitted to it. Forks all over my lawn, covered in gasoline. Someone left a toilet on my lawn once. <laughs> It's because you live in Florida, Sam. <laughs> you guys want to ever have fun, just go Google Florida man. Sam t- texts Josh and I about twice or three times a week. Hey, Florida man's at it again with some man, news story. After after this last you know few months with everything going on, uh, the Florida man news has returned and it's a welcome welcome return and it is a wealth of information (laughs) (laughs) things you will never forget that you never thought you needed to know but anyway so i would say to our pastors like there are oftentimes realities where pastors are sort of uptight either the stress level is super high or there's an insecurity and a sense of i've got to be in charge and i've got to lead well and sometimes we don't respond super well to jokes people goofing off with us or you know the teenagers fork in your yard or whatever the case might be i would tell you laugh at it put your arm around them thank them be a good sport there's the sauls all again <laughs> I, I heard that one did it's you hear it that time before but it's getting yeah. loud now no, I just, now I imagine yeah. you remember the old um looney tunes where the saw would circle around someone yes and they would just yes fall. That, Yes. I'm just waiting for that moment with you because we, we can see each over. other. We have each other on video right now. And I'm just waiting for Micah just to disappear and a cloud of smoke come up to where he was. And they, they sawed out from underneath him. It's coming. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, so. what about what about humor in the pulpit? So, yeah. humor leading your staff, I think that is an absolute must. I, You know, lead with levity, crack some jokes, you know, laugh, please laugh. If you're never laughing in your staff meeting, I mean, goodness, what a... What a dirge of an experience. Um, but what about what about humor in the pulpit? Because I think this one's a little more controversial. Um, I think that there, you know, there's a fine line with uh, how you use humor when, when you're preaching. Yeah, that's I think you're exactly right. So I'm going to give you an example. Years ago, I was out of the pulpit for out of the pastorate for a few years working at, uh, at an, another job. And I attended a church with a good friend of mine who was a pastor and he's one of the best preachers I know. And uh, he tends to be a pretty serious preacher. Uh, he he's, tends to be very sort of um, he's just very intelligent. You know, I mean, he's just incredibly intelligent pastor preacher. And I remember telling him one day, I said, man, every time you tell a story about your childhood, about something dumb you did with your brothers growing up. Um, and you grew up with him, Sam. So, you know, some of those stories, <laughs> but <laughs> I said, every time you tell one of those stories, it's like immediately the whole place just laughs, relaxes a little bit and zeroes in on the message. And it was really helpful for, for me because I didn't necessarily use humor all that much in my sermons. I don't think as a, as a sort of a church member sitting back, analyzing, um, what was going on with the, um, you know, analyzing what was going on with the sermon and being able to see how effective it was at, um, at really building, you know, really building 
the audience and helping them to zero in and pay attention to the sermon. And so I've become more, um, more effective at using humor in my own, you know, experience. Speaking of humor, of you just cloned yourself. So I, video. my computer just like it, I don't know what happened, but it just disappeared and then reappeared. So, well, that's, that's fascinating because I see two micas in front Okay. Of me. Well, I'm about to try and fix it. <laughs> so you just keep talking. I'm going to fix it. But anyway, yeah, my so, point was being able to analyze helped me to see personally humor helps me pay attention more effectively. Oh, I, I agree. You know, there's a reason why, um, comic relief is built into Shakespeare's plays. There's a reason why um, comedies are uh, popular movies. Uh, you know, there's a reason why my daughters buy Mad Lib books, um, which, you know, those are still out there, by the way. Uh, it's because humor is a wonderful communication technique that engages the brain and makes a point. In the same way, a very powerful historical illustration makes a point. Um, and it's memorable. A good joke is memorable. Now, the downside is I've probably fallen flat on my jokes more times than I've landed them. But um, but people have just been gracious to me, I guess. Um, but man, a good joke, I think, can go a long way to making a point, especially if, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a device or a tactic that you aren't using like all the time. You know, uh, it, 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 you use it, if you overuse it, you become trite and uh, if not petty at times. Yeah. So, I think this is a really good point, Sam. I think, I think humor ha can't, can't be your staple. When humor there is you your staple, it stops being funny or you stop being able to land the serious moments. What makes humor effective in the pulpit in particular is when it's selectively used as a way of highlighting, illustrating, or driving home a serious point or as a me mechanism to sort of create a little bit of levity in a serious moment to help draw people's attention and focus back to it when it's all levity you know when you're a you know stand-up comedian in the pulpit you're generally not going to be able to be nearly as effective at least in my experience and there might be exceptions to this rule of course people who are really gifted at it but for the majority of us levity humor is a good thing but it has to be selective and occasional and i would say sam the best levity is self-deprecating levity so yeah. if you can make fun of yourself i can't tell you the number of times when i would I've say maybe not the best but the safest the safest. That's fair too. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I can't tell you the number of times. It's more than I can count. I've heard pastors in the pulpit disparage their wife or make oh, humorous jokes no, about no. their spouse from the pulpit. No, no, like no, I, I've heard that multiple times. And I'm just telling you, if I'm in the congregation and I hear the pastor up there disparaging their spouse from the pulpit, it's immediately going to cause me to turn away and, and not, not really care about whatever else they have to say. I'm just not yeah. going to pay attention. Well, if I was a guest in that church and that was the one sermon I heard, I wouldn't come back no matter no, how, I wouldn't much, how much I like the rest of the church. And one of, um, one of the reasons why I think self-deprecating humor is an important piece. So we grew up, Sam, at, at during an era of what I like to call the plastic pastor, right? So the pastor combed their hair a certain way, wore the certain <laughs> clothes, said God with three syllables, you know, I mean, that, the whole night, like you just knew when you met a person for the first time, you didn't even have to have them tell you what their job was. You knew, oh, that's a pastor. Brother Micah. Yeah, brother. And by the way, we use brother and sister because we can't remember their name. Hey, brother, <laughs> how are you today, sister? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so 
one of the things that is demanded of sort of millennial and Gen Z generation um, and below today, and I think it's healthy and biblical, is accountability and authenticity from the pulpit. We've seen too many pastors fall because of hidden problems, that sort of thing. Self-deprecating humor is an easy way for us to say, guys, I'm pretty broken too. I have sin issues or I have temptations that I struggle with in my own life. Uh, when we do, when we use self-deprecating humor, it takes us off the pedestal a little bit and helps people to see we tend to have problems as well. And I think that's an incredibly helpful tool in, in preaching. Yeah. Um, I, the, the other thing that I would say with humor in the pulpit is sometimes the best moments are the ones that are spontaneous or, or impromptu or something happens and you've got a millisecond to kind of capture that moment. You know, somebody yells out at the wrong time, somebody, uh, some kid does something. Uh, <clears throat> I would say don't be afraid to capture that moment. You've got really two options when something happens in a service. Like we had, um, well, we had the fire alarms go off once. Not here, this was a previous church because an intern didn't open the hood uh, in the kitchen and was cooking scones for whatever reason. Joey, you know who you are. Um, was <laughs> cooking scones and like the, the whole church lit up with fire alarms uh you you have you have that moment when you know we obviously figured out what was going on everyone came back in and you know you you can make a joke about it and you know or or you can be very upset and it's much better to move into the humor side of things than to be agitated or upset so i think levity is also a relief valve for you not just in the pulpit but in a tense meeting as well for maybe maybe somebody says something that's a little out of line and you have a choice in front of you either you can you know make a light moment out of it or or you can kind of go off the rails and kind of lose your religion so to speak yeah, and i would say right. it's much better and you may not land the joke as well as you could, you know, in those tense moments, but levity is also a way to diffuse potential bombs instead of blowing them up when, you know, when something happens. Um, and you kind of set everyone at ease when you say, you know, kind of laugh it off a little bit when something happens uh, that's maybe unexpected or, or even maybe a, a mild attack. Um, I won't say a outright attack, but maybe a mild attack on something. Uh, it's it's good to laugh a little bit in those situations, and I know that's a, that's hard to do, um, but it's you know take one breath and you know instead of going off, maybe make a joke. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, just sort of de-escalation is the name of the day, the game when when you're talking about sort of conflict in that sense. And far too often, what ends up happening, and I'll just tell you, this is my tendency, Sam. When somebody disagrees with me or sort of comes at me, my initial tendency is to strike back. Oh, yeah. I'm a and, fight. And, I'm all fight. Well, and my strike back is usually not to attack them as much as it is to defend myself. But I can be aggressive in my posture and taking a deep breath, cracking a little joke, saying, hey, let's sit down together and have that conversation. I think those are all tools that can really help deescalate and have a, a moderated, calm discussion. Well, yeah, and and it, it helps me because I am on the fight, flight, freeze scale. I'm all fight. And man, that is that is a very dangerous thing. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was more freeze or flight. I'm just not. But well, I'm, you know, I'm just technically, not. technically I'm all freeze, but anyway, but, um, oh, 
Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> All right, so that was a bad joke. No, I'm gonna, it was I'm great. gonna tell my, I'm gonna tell, well, only a dad would appreciate that joke. I'm gonna tell my daughters that one later today. On the fight, flight, flight, breathe scale. I am all I'm freeze, all baby. Freeze. That, only you. I'm only the only one who can say that. that. Yeah, that's right. David Freeze, super our World Series hero from the Cardinals a few years ago, he could make that claim. Yeah, but he spells his name differently. He does spell it differently, but he pronounces there, it the same. All right, we're completely off topic, but does anyone spell their name, other than your family, spell mm-hmm. it and pronounce it the same way? Is, is that like a thing that's happening? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a fair number of freezes spelled just like mine. Every, everywhere I move, I always look it up, and there's somebody with, that's got our last name that pronounces it the same way. So, I mean, it's German, and like many European names, I's are pronounced like E's, and so it's not unusual for you to find... It's really not super unusual for you to hey, find my name's freezes. German too. Is it really? Reiner. Reiner. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't but say that, it that way though. <laughs> I think it ends up being I think more people in Austria for whatever reason have yeah. the yeah. same spelling as we do. But, but yeah, yeah, it's not it's not that unusual. I mean you you'll find it. There's I've never found another Micah freeze now, and so that's a Hebrew and German name all mixed together, which is <laughs> not not always a historical combination, but you know, <laughs> it's there. So So who okay, so who do you think let's name some names. Who do you think does humor well? In the pulpit, I'll, yes. I'll go first. Go ahead. Since I'm, I'm calling, since I'm, you know, kind of putting you on the spot, and you know, this really wasn't in the show notes. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to say Alistair Beck because I'm a big Alistair Beck. Interesting. Fan. Huh. And he is more on the snarky, sarcastic side. Yeah. But is a great yeah. compliment to the intellectualism that is his typical lead. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, he does tell good stories. Um. You know, he's a master preacher. He's one of the best. Yeah, but where he's good, I mean, his humor is it's it's a little bit of biting sarcasm, and it's just I mean, he toes that line so well, and you know, have this very serious subject, very serious topic, um, and he's exegeting scripture well. He's walking through, um, you know, the intellectual side of things. You feel like you're being taught, and then all of a sudden, here comes this witty, you know, piece of sarcasm that just absolutely works. So I'm going to go with Alistair Bag in terms of somebody who does humor well uh, in the pulpit. You have anybody in mind? So I, I have four or five names in mind that I can think of that does it well at various points. And, and, and But let me say first... Can I make the argument that Jesus had a couple of pretty humorous points? Oh, yeah. So let's, yes. let's, one of my favorite, because I love sarcasm. One of my favorite moments in the Gospels, just because of this, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when they're coming to arrest him. And the Bible says that Jesus asked, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus. And he says, well, that's me. And the Bible says they all fall down, like the whole group just falls out. And Jesus, the Bible then says, Jesus looks at him and says, and who were you looking for? (laughs) Which to me just comes across as this hilariously sarcastic comment. Like, by the way, who'd you say you were looking for again? The guy that just knocked all of you over, you know, that sort of thing. So anyway, you you talking to me kind of. Yeah, that's you talking to me. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So I'm probably misreading that. It's probably not sarcasm. It's Jesus. But still, I can't help but read that text and, and read it that way. So let me give you a few examples. The best that I know of is Ed Stetzer at using humor in oh, it. Oh, great. In his. Now we've got to prop up Ed Stetzer. I know. But I'm just telling you, I've never seen – and here's the thing that Ed does so incredibly well that I don't know almost anybody else that can pull it off. No matter – and I, you know, I mean, I traveled and worked for Ed for four years, and we spoke to all these various groups from Pentecostals to Presbyterians and everything in between. Ed can walk into a group, make fun of their group, 
and everybody loves him for it. You know, he'd be like, all right, all of you who are charismatic in the room, raise your hand. You're accustomed to that, you know, and, and everybody just dies laughing or he does something even more, you know, a little biting or sarcastic. And they think it's the best. He just has a gift that I've never seen before. I still remember um, <laughs> at the Southern Baptist Convention in San Antonio some years ago when he was speaking at the uh, pastor's conference. And he said from the pulpit, I love the annual meeting every year because it's the only time I feel young and thin. And uh, about half the room laughed and about half the room did not appreciate the joke I at was, all i was there for that one i, I was too <laughs> i thought it was hilarious i was one laughing and i was standing next to people who were not, they were laughing. not laughing and i wanted to be like hey buddy do you not get the joke come on now <laughs> but i mean that's my point like he generally can um you know those sort of things he generally can do those sort of things really well uh and a few others i think um john aiken who's a really good friend a friend of yours I- okay, i'm surprised so you're gonna prop up stetzer and now you're gonna prop up and i am i but i mean so john does john is not naturally sort of a humorous funny guy but he works at it really well and he pulls it off really well and i'm i'm and then john marshall who i mentioned earlier today he also has done humor really really well for a lot of years i, I mean those are folks in my experience that have done it really well okay good names yeah so let's uh we're about about out of time um what what do you think is um what what's what's an area that we haven't covered let's think about this so we've talked about um you know in your staff meetings we've talked about kind of interpersonal relationships we've talked about in the pulpit um what's another venue uh you know online social media i mean what what do we do let's talk about that what do we do with our online presence because a lot of pastors are in in that world how do you do humor well um you know in a in the digital world yeah so here's the danger in the digital world either i see a lot of pastors who don't do anything humorous at all in the social media world. And I, if you go to my Twitter feed right now, you're not going to see almost anything funny because I've mostly gotten off of Twitter. I gave our communications team my Twitter account. I, ca- I have access to post through Buffer, but I can't see anybody's replies. I can't reply to anyone. I can't access my DMs only because Twitter just, I got so enraged. It was not good for my sanctification. So I got off there. So the only thing you'll see on there is serious, usually updates about the church. But on the places where I engage excuse me, let's say Instagram or Facebook or something like that, the places where I am regularly. Uh, I'll do a combination of serious things, things about our church and things about my family and funny things. And to me, those matter because they personalize the pastor. They help you, you know, your people see. I remember when I was like 10 or 11 years old, seeing my pastor wear shorts for the first time. And I literally had an audible gasp, like, oh my gosh, he wears shorts. <laughs> I don't want that to ever be the case for me. I want people to know I'm a human, you know, I have regular engagement. I think it's helpful for that. But I see pastors generally do one of two things, either all serious all the time on social media, which is, it means either you're not presenting a really accurate picture of who you really are. Or, man, you're not a person I ever want to hang out with. <laughs> True. Or the other side of it is because we're not face-to-face with actual people, I see pastors say and do things that they would never say and do if they were face-to-face with people. Or at least I hoped to, the, you know, to God that they would never say or do those things if they were actually face-to-face with people. We feel more um, freedom to, to do things that are funny maybe but in a way that's inappropriate or biting or mean uh, or unkind. And I think those are the things you, so be humorous, be authentic, you know, communicate pictures of yourself and tell jokes, you know, tell self, I, I love to tell like quotes from my kids. I'll do that every couple of weeks or months and they're always funny, but be careful not to be mean, be careful not to be, 
you know, funny in a way that's inappropriate, those sort of things. Yeah, I would say so. The, 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 the downside of social media is that you can come across as mean spirited, even that's when right. you're trying to be funny, because you don't see somebody's mannerisms as they, you know, type. You don't, you, it's just, it's just the written form. And when it's just the written form, you have to be extraordinarily careful. Um, so I would say the best use of social media humor is things like, it's personal. It's family oriented. It's, uh, you know, my three-year-old just did this. Isn't this hilarious? Those sorts of things. And it does humanize you. I would stay away from um, the biting, sarcastic, you know, uh, punchlines on social media that can sometimes get you in, a lot of times get you in trouble because people misread them. And once it's out there, I mean, it is impossible to get it back. I have people in my life that subscribe to my – by subscribing, basically, they get a push notification when I put something out there. And even if I delete it after the fact, it's still in that push notification. So, you know, and that's good. That's good accountability for me. I, you know, I don't, I don't shy away from that. But we have to be very careful. So, I'd say humor online needs to be something that's a little more on the personal side. That way, people can read you in the right way. So, well, thanks, guys, for for joining us. We uh, we've kind of come up against our 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 usual time, but um, and you know, we're hoping that uh, Josh will be back. Uh, we kind of moved the recording time around, so it wasn't we did. Wasn't, it yeah. wasn't his fault. It was our fault. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, but thank you. We are the, the, the Established Church Podcast, EST.Church. Uh, you can uh, visit us on iTunes, all of those podcast thingies that you that you listen to. Uh, rate and review us. Subscribe. We would uh, love, if this is your first time listening, thank you for, for being a first-time listener. Um, we will catch you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Hey, this is Tom Rayner. I want you to know about a ministry I've been hearing great things about for years. It's a lay-led support ministry called Grief Share. Grief Share helps you care for the bereaved, those who are experiencing the loss of a loved one in your congregation. It's a powerful outreach program as well that draws people to your church. It's like a magnet. Grief Share is a ministry of church initiative it's been around since 1996, so it's a proven ministry and has equipped more than 20,000 churches worldwide. Just ask other pastors about it or visit griefshare.org forward slash EST to learn what other pastors think about Griefshare and how easy it is to get this ministry started in church, your church. That's griefshare.org forward slash EST are in the show notes. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.